Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So let me say quickly that uh, apparently I don't do a good job. I am trusting in the Holy Spirit to do what I cannot do. Uh, But God has really laid some things on my heart. And for the last couple of months of 2022, I was trying to prepare us for getting to this place and the messages that we brought. Um, and, and maybe those didn't all tie together for you guys, but I was, we're going somewhere. I, I have messages that God has given me now. We're going somewhere. So these aren't just random thoughts. Uh, they're, they're taking us somewhere. In, in a, some weeks down the road, we're going to be sharing with you what I believe God is, is taking us into what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and this all goes together. And this, this message this morning is critically important uh, for where we are going. And it is a heavy message. It is heavy on my heart. And I don't feel I have the ability to make it clear what God has given me. So I really need the Holy Spirit to take control this morning. So let me just ask this guys this question. Is worship important? I mean, how important is worship? Guys, worship is, it is, it is high level priority. And I think we could say this, if a church gets everything else right in the church and you get worship wrong, everything else doesn't matter, right? Worship is important. If we don't get worship right, uh, then then everything else is is kind of uh, secondary. So worship is critical. It is critical that we get it right. Uh, uh, We're talking about attitudes. This morning we'll be talking about the attitude of worship. But we need a proper attitude of worship. And we picked the word attitude uh, for this series. uh, But we said the Bible calls it the heart. We need a heart to worship God. Amen. And we, we want to do that right. So I want to ask you guys, uh, well, well, let me give you this first. Uh, just to make it clear, I've, most of this we've talked about in the past, but just make sure we're getting everybody on the same page. In the Bible, we are commanded to be thankful. Right? It's a clear commandment. We are commanded to be thankful. We all should be thankful and recognize what God has done for us. So it is very appropriate to be thankful. And we, we often have what we call praise reports around here. Someone will stand up and say, thank the Lord. He, you know, I, I was healed this week or I got a, my bills taken. You know, God did something. When we're, thank God for, for what he did for me. That is appropriate. Praise is thank you, Lord, for what you did for me. Thank you for what you did. Is praise appropriate biblically? Absolutely. So when we come to church, it is right, it is good, not only in church but all the time, to be thankful, to express your thankfulness, to praise God for what he has done. All of that is great. But will you guys have this this morning? Sinners can be thankful. Do you know someone could not know Jesus as their Savior? They can be lost on their way to hell, and they can still say, thank you, God, for my family. Isn't that true? Thank you, God, for food on my table. You're not my Savior, but I appreciate you putting food on my table, right? So a sinner can still do that. So although that is appropriate, although that is all good, that is not what we're talking about. Okay, I I, I need you to get that clear going forward, because if not, you're going to get this message all messed up. Worship is not thanksgiving. Worship is not praise you, God, for what you have done. Okay, worship is seeing who God is just because he's God. You could have had the most horrible week in your life. You could know you're dying. You could not have money to pay your bills. Your spouse just left you. Your child just died. But God is still good. See, that's the difference. There are Sundays we come and we are thankful because we had a good week. And we praise him for what he did. But can I tell you guys, 
There's never a Sunday you come when God isn't God. God's always God. He always deserves to be. So just get that straight. We're not talking about thanksgiving and what he did. We're talking about worship for who he is. You guys got that? If, if that is understood. So, so let me ask this question. Is there worship that God does not accept? Is there worship God does not accept? Or maybe, maybe a, a clear way of saying that, are there things we think is worship God doesn't think is worship? Right? I want us to think about that. This is a very, very important question. Is there worship, what we call worship, without the presence of God? That's something to think about. The reason that I want you to think about that is because if we answer that question, if the presence of God isn't there, then we're not worshiping, then that means the presence of God is putting the approval that this is worship. Do you follow that argument? If, if we're going to say real worship is when God shows up, when the Spirit shows up, if that is real worship, then, then we have to say that the approval of the Spirit means what we're doing is worship. All right, you following that? So that, that's very important. I want you to think, we're going to try and answer these questions this morning. I seem to be at odds with most, most people. My problem is I, I, I read the Bible and, and it doesn't line up with so, what so many think, but is there a standard for what the Spirit will bless? In other words, will the Holy Spirit just bless anything? I mean, just whatever, whatever. No, there is a standard that the Spirit will bless, and there's a standard that the Spirit will not bless. So we want to think about those questions this morning. We want to try to answer those questions this morning. So we're going to read in a, a book of Leviticus. Uh, just, it was amazing this week. I was, I, I'll, be in, I'll, I'll be honest, I was in awe. I was just in total all of God, but I just started doing my regular reading, and, and two of the places we're going to read this morning was just where I did in my regular reading, and I, I wasn't trying to study for a message. I was going to preach this already, but this is what I read, and I was just blown away with it. We're going to cut out a lot of the... We're, I'm going to give you the context. I'll explain the story to you. It'll save you from having me read two or three chapters to you. Don't you think... Aren't you thankful for that? We're just going to kind of read the point here, and then I'll explain to you what it means. So you can remain seated. I've already had you stand. Leviticus 10 and verse number Number, uh, verse number eight. <clears throat> no, that's not right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Leviticus nine. Uh, that we'll read, we'll read eight here in a minute. Leviticus nine. I'm sorry. And twenty-two. <clears throat> and Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offerings and the fat which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Chapter 10. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense therein and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. 
think it's a beautiful illustration of what we're trying to say this morning. So let me bring you up to speed. Let me get you in context. If you start reading the first part of Leviticus, and actually if you read through Exodus, uh, God is telling his people what he wants them to do. And there's all the laws and the rituals and the building of the tabernacle and the offering of the animals and all the things that they have to do. But And we say, well, that's Old Testament, but just hang with me for a second. All of those things God commanded to be done. And Aaron did exactly what God said to do. Now, let me make this clear. In the Old Testament, when God said, take the blood and, and, and sprinkle it on the altar and, and, and all, the, all the details that it did, Aaron did not say, well, you know, I think this is close enough. They followed it to the, to the fullest detail. Okay. When Aaron had done everything he was supposed to have done, and he had been anointed high priest, now he had went into the tabernacle, and he had offered the offerings, and he had done everything. He has been 100% obedient and done everything God says. He goes in, he does what God tells him. He comes out of the tabernacle, and when he comes out of the tabernacle, guess what happens? The glory of the Lord shows up. Isn't that awesome? The glory of the Lord. Can I, can I just tell you, let me just stop right here for just a little second. Can I just tell you that when the glory of the Lord shows up, we don't have this. Brother Terry says, well, I don't think that was the glory of God. Brother John says, well, I think that was the glory of God. Well, I don't think that's where the glory of God is supposed to be. No, 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 no. When the glory of God shows up, everybody in here says, that was the glory of God. Okay. How many services you been in? One person shouting it out and the rest of them, nah, I don't think that's God. Listen, if God shows up, everybody here says, yep, that was God. Okay, got me? So the glory of the Lord shows up. That's pretty cool that the glory of God showed up because they did exactly what they were told to do. If that wasn't cool enough, fire fell from heaven. <laughs> I mean, the glory of God shows up. And then fire literally comes out of the sky, takes all the offering, consumes it, and goes away. You know what the people did? Yeah, that was kind of boring. Let's go to Bob Evans. Yeah, let, let's, let's just go do our thing. You know what it said? When the glory of God showed up and fire fell from heaven, the people shouted, Woo! And then they fell on their faces because God was in the house. Do you guys get this? I think that's a beautiful picture. We're going to get to the New Testament. Those of you who say, well, it's the Old Testament. I don't have to believe that. No, 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 no. Hang on. Hang on. That's a beautiful picture of what God wants from us. Obedience, doing it his way, reverence, awe. So Aaron has two sons, Nadab and Abihu. They become famous for a very wrong reason. And I'm not going to try and go into all the details of it, but just real, real quickly, uh, they, they were not the high priest, so they, had, they did not have the right to do this, period. So they broke that command. And, and they took censors, which were not the right censors that God had commanded to use. They took their own censors, so they used the wrong utensils. That was disobedient. And then they, it says clearly they took fire that was not the fire of God. They took their own strange fire, and they decided to give that uh, to, to make the offering. And then they used... The, they gave an incense, which was not the incense that God had commanded to do. So they broke all the rules. And God took their life. Do you guys get the contrast here? One is full obedience, fully everything God says. One is, we'll do it our way. Now, pretty significant that he took their life. He made a clear distinction between what he will accept and what he will not accept. In verse 3, I think is pretty powerful. God says, I, I will be sanctified. I, I will be separated. I, I will be holy. I will be distinct. I will be different. And I will be glorious. What does he say? They're not going to come in here doing it their way and call it my way. Okay? I want you guys to think about that. So, point number one, we call it worship. We, Christians, call it worship. Now, we could go around this sanctuary and we could talk to everybody here and we get all kinds of opinions. Can I tell you, you guys' opinion doesn't matter? Because we all got one. 
But what does matter is the word of God. But we call a lot of things worship. So just real quick, just, just work with me here. Just, just, let's just run through the gamut real, real quickly. We have the old fashioned, uh, the old fashioned, uh, church, uh, uh, that, that where uh, there's a, there's a lot of crying and there's a lot of shouting and maybe they're running the aisles maybe they're climbing the pews they're uh, they're they're just whoo it's just it's just a hallelujah time okay we have that and we call it worship there is the charismatic church where they're speaking in tongues prophesying flopping around on the floor and slaying people in the spirit right and we call that worship. There is the church down the street where they've got fog machines and blue lights and rock and roll band and everybody's singing up for worshiping God, right? And we call that worship. And there's even that quiet church where they sit reverently and they say, I'm just worshiping God quietly in my seat. And we could go on probably with all the different ways we worship. But can I tell you, I don't think God's is caught up in the method as he is in why we're doing it. In other words, the old fashioned church says, well, you know, if they just be more old fashioned, they could worship God. Or the reason they're not worshiping God is because they're not old fashioned like us. The modern church says if they just get with the new times they, and, and the charismatic church says, well, you know, if they just do it like we do, everybody has thinks their way is right. But can I tell you, God's not into methods, but God's into doing it right. And could it be that a lot of what we call worship, not worship. And guys, can, can I just stop right here just for a second? I, I appreciate it. I see a few heads nodding. That really, really means a lot to me because my heart is heavy on this message. But, but can I just say, um, is it important that at Sandhill Church we understand what God calls worship? Is that, is that serious? Because, you know, I've been raised in church all my life, and a lot of you have been in church for a very long time, and a lot of us have seen a lot of things in church, amen? But it doesn't mean everything was worship. And it doesn't mean everything God approves of. And as I said, there's a reason for preaching this message. But going forward, I want us to know what worship is. And as I say all the time, constantly, uh, you guys know the answer to this question. If I preach something that does not line up with how you believe or what you think, what are you supposed to do? See what the Bible says. Right? You don't go home and get mad at me and I'm never coming back. You say, I'm going to see what the Bible says. I'm going to find out what, what, what pastor is preaching is true or is not true. So what we call worship. Let's look at that. Just some of the things we see in church. We call worship a lot of things that do not line up with the Bible. Can I tell you, worship is not supposed to satisfy the flesh. Is that a new thought to you guys? We learn a lot around here about, you know, de denying the flesh and crucifying the flesh and all of that. But isn't an awful lot of worship about our flesh? So it feels good to us, right? It feels good to me. If the, the service is, is, is about my flesh enjoying itself. And all of those that I mentioned, whether, whether it be the old-timey church, the modern church, the charismatic church, or the quiet church, or all the different churches, all of those different ones, all of those can be a form of making your flesh very, very comfortable and very, very happy. Now, this is going to, this is going to make some of you really, really mad. What are you going to do? You're going to see what the Bible says, right? But, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say, I'm feeling really bold this morning, Okay? Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you've had a bad week, you're supposed to come out here and we're supposed to make you feel better. Been taught that all of our lives. Boy, I just need to go to church and they need to pump me up, make me feel good so I can get back to having a good week. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go right back off that emotional high, have a bad week, and can you come back next week? And listen, here's a, here's a news uh, flash for you guys. Worship isn't about you guys. <laughs> it's all about me. I, I didn't feel anything when I went to church. I didn't get anything. I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not getting what I need. It isn't about you. We're not trying to. We want to worship God. God needs to be lifted up, not you feel better. If you leave out of here and you don't feel a bit better, but God got worshiped, I'm happy. And if you're just on cloud nine and God didn't get worshiped, we didn't do our job. 
So worship is not about you. It's not about fulfilling the flesh. It's not about you getting an emotional high or getting some sensation or, or making you feel good or, or, or leaving out, uh, 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 you know, thinking I've done something for God. It's not about your flesh. I really struggle with this, guys. Really, really struggle with this next one. If someone can explain to me at the church. But so much of what we call worship is done by people who are living in complete disobedience to God. I struggle with that. I struggle with the Holy Spirit coming down and blessing you for disobeying Him. I struggle with that. And, and, and again, you can, you can take any of those churches there. You, you, you can say, well, that modern church, you know, they're living like the world, and they're, they're sinful, and they're sleeping around, and, and they think God's going to bless that. But what about the old-timey church where they get mad at each other and they won't speak to one another? But whoo, God's in the house. God's in the house. I struggle with that. You plainly, blatantly disobey the Word of God, but God's going to bless you. I don't find it. I think this text that we read lays out rather clearly. Aaron very meticulously did what God said and God blessed him. And the people shouted and they fell on their faces. Nadab and Abihu completely disregarded the word of God and God rejected them. Okay? He would not honor their worship. I have seen so many Christians, so many Christians in my life I'm trying to be as straightforward as I can, church, because we're going somewhere and we need to have this message. Okay? Are you guys with me? Okay, you guys with me? Listen, don't turn me off. Come on. I've seen so many people love to worship, what we call worship, love to worship, have no interest whatsoever in obedience. I'm not going to change anything, but I sure do like to worship. I like to feel good. I like to worship. I like to shout hallelujah. I like to say I love Jesus change my life? No, I'm not interested in that. But worship, yeah. Listen, I don't see how those two things go together. I don't see how a disobedient heart can claim to be worshiping God. Okay? Now let's look at Leviticus uh, uh, 10a. That's where I uh, was supposed to try to go a while ago. Let's look and see what God has to say about it. So Nadab and Abihu have, have, have died and God's talking to Aaron. Verse number eight, it says, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when ye go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation, that ye may be put, that ye may put difference, listen very carefully, between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. Does anybody know, I know most Christians do not like reading the book of Leviticus. And we don't like the law, and we don't like all that boring stuff that's in there. And, and we say, well, it doesn't apply to me at all. But does anybody know why all of that was in there? Because God said, I want my people to be different. I don't want them to look like the other nations. They, they, will, they will illustrate me to the world because they're not like the world. And by the way, the New Testament says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, uh, Be ye separate people, come, come out from among the world. Uh, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Uh, uh, Romans uh, uh, 1 and 2 tells us to not to be conformed to the world. It is the New Testament. It is the teaching of the Word of God. We're not supposed to be like the world. But yet, do we not see so many today in so many places... We can be. We can talk about free will Baptists. We can talk about. We can talk about anything that's out there. But don't we see so many people worshiping God, and you can't tell a bit of difference between them and the world. They're just like the world. And guys, I'm not only talking about the fact that some of the Christians are participating in sinful things. And here's where I might just differ from some of you. But can I tell you? Our interest ought to be different. If everything the world does is exactly what you do, I think there's a problem. I, th- I think that we ought to be different. We ought to care about people. We ought to, we ought to care about the Lord. We ought, to, we ought to spend our time trying to do something for others, and, 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 and we ought to, ought to be doing things that please the Lord. And do you know what the whole wide world is doing? 
me, 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 me. <laughs> Guys, that's how a lot of Christians are. It's all about them. And so if we're just like the world, we call it worship. I struggle that that is, is uh, lining up with the Word of God. <clears throat> there is a controversy. This controversy has been around forever. It is all throughout Christianity. I, I, I think it is a, I, I hate to say these words, but I think it is a, a brilliant invention of the enemy. But we think that if we have a church that is spiritual it will not be learning the Bible. But we think we have a church that's learning the Bible, they will not be interested in worship. And that's what, that's what pretty much, and so you go around finding a church, if a church, you walk into a church, and boy, they're just talking about the Bible, well, you know they don't have the Spirit of God there. There's no worship there. If you go into a church that's real, real spiritual, and boy, they're just climbing the pews, well, you know they don't teach the Bible there. And that's pretty much the standard. That's across denominations. That's pretty much the standard. But guys, can I tell you, that's not right. That is not right. I want, you, I want to see, and I, I wish I could somehow explain this to you guys, but I want you guys to understand how you worship is learning the Bible. When you learn what it says, it will make you worship. When you don't know what it says, you may be doing something you call worship, but I would challenge you, is it worship? Because worship is, is something we are learning who God is. So when we learn, uh, learning is linked to worship. We learn the depth of God. We experience the depth of God. Let me see if I can illustrate this to you just for a minute. When I got saved, the day I got saved, that was a little boy, I understood that Jesus died on a cross. Amen? I understood I was going to hell. Amen? I understood that now I get to go to heaven. That's good stuff. That's about all I understood. I spent a lot of time studying the Bible, reading the Bible, learning. I have studied justification and sanctification and, and, and glorification and all the tenets of the gospel. And I've studied that for years and years and years and years and years. But as I progressed in my learning, now not only do I realize that I'm not going to hell, but I'm going to heaven because of Jesus. But now I understand how holy God is. That changed everything. Because now I'm not just a sinner that got saved, but now I recognize how holy God is. How sinless and perfect and, and infinite and, and beyond my comprehension God is. I realize that. Because I realize that, I can worship Him more than when I just understood that Jesus died for my sins. Does anybody get that? But then I went a little farther and I began to read a little bit more and I began to understand how sinful I am now. So now I not only know that I'm not going to hell because Jesus died on the cross and I not only know how holy God is and how amazingly holy he is, but now I recognize how sinful I am and the more I read and the more I learn, the more I realize that I don't mark up to God's plan. And I realize how more and more and more I am sinful and how more and more and more He is holy. Do you see how learning goes together with worship? And now I can worship Him at a whole new level knowing how great He is. Now the more I learn, the more I see how holy God is. And the more I learn, the more I realize how wretched I am. And the more I learn to realize that He accepts me as if I am holy even though I am sinful and wretched. Now, guys, you don't get that the day you get saved. You don't get that five months after you got saved. I say it might be 40 years after you got saved, you still ain't got that. What I'm saying is learning causes you to worship God because it helps you see who he is. Amen? And when we do that, I believe we can have real worship because we're worshiping him for who he is and not and not where we're getting out of it. I struggle with this one, guys. Well, let, let's uh, let's read Second uh, uh, Samuel, chapter six. Uh, I th this one popped out at me, too, in my reading this week. And I, I thought, again, I'm going to shorten this down because of the fact of uh, not reading a lot. I'll try to give you some context here, but just kind of give you a couple of verses to point out the, the main points. But Second Samuel, chapter six. 
verse number five. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments uh, made of fir wood, even on harps and, and saw trees and timbrels and cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nation's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there for his error and, they, and he died by the ark of God. <clears throat> Drop down to verse 13 with me. <clears throat> And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone and had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatling. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. <clears throat> and so David and all of his house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. So let's get the picture here. If you know your Bible, just real quickly try to tell you the story. The ark had been uh, had been out of the, of the of had been at uh, the Gideonites' house, and, and David says, let's go get it. David had been to come the king, and he says, let's go get the ark. And so they go down, they throw it on a cart, which the Phil Philistines had done. They start running through here. And listen, they're having church. They're having church. They got the instruments. They're singing. They're praising. They're worshiping God. They're having a hallelujah time. We're bringing the ark back, and we're worshiping God. But not God's way. And God struck them dead. God struck Uzzah dead. And then David said, let's go get the ark. Let's bear it with staves like God told us to. Let's take just a few steps and let's get down and pray and make sure we're doing this the way God wants us to do it. And God blessed them. Did you guys see the contrast? One had a lot of excitement, one had a lot of enthusiasm, one had a lot of carnality, one was completely disobedient, and God did not accept it. One was very reverent in awe of worshiping God and in fear of God, doing it God's way, exactly why the details God gave him, God blessed it. So I, I want you to see that, that clearly God does not accept all worship. What are we going to do and I can just say, since I've been in church, I have literally seen thousands of people that fit this suit. What are we going to do, guys, with all of the Christians who come to church and say they love to worship, but have no interest in the Bible whatsoever? What are we going to do with that? We, we have people who say, oh, I love to worship. Whoo, you're having, you're having a hallelujah time. I'll be there studying the Bible. Are you kidding me? I'm not coming to church. I have no interest in learning the Bible, but shouting, sign me up. I'm in for that. I know that rubs some of you wrong, but can I just say, guys, show me where that's in the Bible. Show me in the Bible where you throw the word of God out, but you are spirit filled. And here's what so many say. Here's what so many say about your pastor. You run the spirit completely out of the church because we're not shouting. You replaced it with the Bible. You know what they're really saying? Get rid of the Bible so we can get back to the shouting. Can I tell you, that doesn't line up with this book very good. And I just struggle with how the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God says, get rid of my word, don't learn my word, don't worry about my word, and just have a lot of emotion and running around the church. I struggle with where that's biblical, guys. And I, I think we need to examine what we call worship. <clears throat> Now, this one here, I just want you to, I will throw this real quick, and then we'll go on to the next point. But is it not true if you go into a charismatic church, if you go into an old-timey church, if you go into a, a, a rock and roll concert at a modern church, if you go into all these different things, is it not true that someone who is a sinner can go into those services and have themselves a good time? Do you know that if you go into an old timey, I'm not against, I'm not picking on any of these things. I'm just trying to show you what God calls worship. If you go into one of these old timey services and we talk about enough emotional things, we talk about mama and your kids and grandbabies and, 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 and all these different things, you're probably going to start crying and feel something, even if you're a sinner. If you go down and there's blue lights flashing and the rock and roll band's going and the fog machine's going and they're talking about, you know, God, there's a good chance you're going to feel something. 
And you're going to join right in and say, whoo, praise God, I love Jesus. And you're not even a Christian, right? Listen, guys, does anybody here have a problem except for me with sinners being able to worship God? See, what we call worship may not be what God calls worship. We learned in Sunday school a sinner has literally rejected the Son of God and His sacrifice. And Bessie said, God hates them. And God's going to bless them for worshiping Him. Guys, there's something ain't right about that. So let's look at what God calls worship. I'm trying to hurry. This is so heavy. I want to get it right. In real worship, there is a call to crucify the flesh. There is a call that you don't matter. There is a call that what you want isn't what matters. There is a call to put aside everything that is of the flesh and, and to focus on Jesus. And I think that in great part we are doing that at Sand Hill. I think that we've made that emphasis here. Uh, but, but I just want to tell you that when we make the flesh what is important, I don't know how we call that worship because to me, worship in the Bible is plainly laid out. I'm sure that Aaron didn't want to do all the things God said to do, but he laid aside what he wanted and he did what God wanted and the glory of God showed up. Do we want the glory of God to show up at Sand Hill Church? Amen we got to deny the flesh. <clears throat> Separated from the world. Again, I've already went over it. I'm not going to go over it all again. But clearly, we are to not be like the world. We're to be separated. We're to be unworldly. Um, uh, uh, First John teaches us that if any man love the world, uh, um, um, th th he's the enemy of God, right? You, you can't love the world and love God. It, it, they're two very distinct things. So we're to be separated from the world. A full surrender to God's word. Our, our, our covenant around here, our motto around here is we learn it and we live it. We learn it and we live it. And guys, if we're not fully surrendered to God's word, I don't know how we can call it worship. <clears throat> learning, we've already talked, learning is linked to worship. <clears throat> uh, we, we, we learn about God and then we worship God. So, so if we start getting a contrast here between what we call worship and what God calls worship, they're pretty clear and distinct. And guys, I'm just getting this right out of the Bible, okay? This isn't Gary made up, this isn't Gary's opinion, this isn't what Gary's thinking. Uh, this isn't I like one style of church and another style of church. I'm one of those strange people. I can, I can enjoy different kinds of church if it goes by the Bible. I don't get hung up in methods. I get hung up in what does say the Word of God, okay? So there is, a, there is what we call worship, pleasing the flesh, doesn't like the Bible, doesn't live in obedience, just like the world. There's what God calls worship, and it is crucifying the flesh, and it is being separate from the world, and it is learning the Bible and living the Bible and being holy and doing what God says and, and, and causing us to have an understanding of how great God is and, and which causes a fear and an awe. Back in Leviticus, it said when the fire came down, they did shout, but then they dropped to their faces and they worshiped God. The title of the message, I was trying to be cute, but <clears throat> for all that's worth. Um, awesome. We all say awesome. I've heard preachers say, I'm almost starting to agree with them, but I've heard preachers say we shouldn't say awesome about it. I tell Renee she's awesome all the time. Maybe I need to stop doing that. But there are preachers who say that's a word just for God because it's talking about all, the all of God. But awesome is a word we use all the time. But I, 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 made a little change there and I call it, I said all come can I just tell you guys we need to get back to having all over God because we've lost it we need to get back to having that all that reverence that fear of who God is we don't have that. You can flippantly walk in here. You can be fighting with your spouse. You can be looking at pornography. You can have cussed and said everything you want to. And come in, whoo, I love Jesus. I want to worship. God said, that's not what I had in mind. But you can come in here with your head bowed down and say, I'm a no good sinner and Jesus died for my sins. And God, I, with everything in me, I humbly worship who you are. And guys, that's what God will, will accept as worship. Amen. So I want you guys to understand how, how important this is that we get back to the awe, to the reverence, to the fear. And we could, we could, I could go through many, many, many scriptures and we put all the different places in the Bible where whenever you are worshiping God and God shows up, 
there's always that awe. There's always that fear every time. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Let's just go to the New Testament. Can anybody name me one place, one place, New Testament or Old Testament, when God shows up or even God's representatives show up? What happens every time an angel shows up? Every, guys, Bible readers, what happens every single time? Fall on your face in awe and you're afraid to say anything. Well, they always say, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm just an angel. Get up. I'm not God. Right? Now, even when God shows up, every time there's awe, there's reverence, there's fear. There is never flippancy and casualness and do anything I want to do. It's always awe and reverence and fear. What's that look like at the Sandhill Church? What's, what's that look like if we, do, if we do that here at Sandhill Church? Well, for one, I think it, may, it means that we're trying to live what the Bible says. Are, are we trying to live what the Bible says here at Sandhill Church? Are, are we trying to do that? Listen, we've, all, we've, we've already made it plain. All of us mess up. All of us sin. None of us are perfect. But are we trying to do what the Bible says? Yeah, we are. But when we come into the house of God, we recognize who it is that we're worshiping. And we take that serious. I've heard a lot of preachers say this. Uh, these be the old-time preachers said this all the time, and and I agree with this. But let's just take it a little bit farther. I remember. I, I, I don't. Some of you are a little, little bit older. How many of you remember when the day you got saved? Anybody remember the day you got saved? Do you remember walking the aisle? I don't know how the rest of you is, but do you remember walking the aisle and bawling your eyes all the way down? Do you remember being broken and scared and fearful and coming to a holy God and saying, God, I I don't want to go to hell. Would you save me? And then we kind of come to a time where someone will be in the pew and we give an altar call and they're chewing their bubble gum and they're high-fiving their friends and they're walking down the aisle and it's all cool and I'm going to go get Jesus and yeah, I'll say a prayer. Listen, there's no fear. There's no awe. There's no reverence. So I got tossed out the window. A lot of the old timers say you can't get saved that way. I kind of agree, but I agree you can't worship God that way. You're just living the life you want, doing anything you want, living casual, nothing means anything to you. But boy, if it comes by, I'm going to worship him. Guys, I think we need to take this serious and recognize who we are worshiping. Let's just stop for a second. Can you let your mind stop for a second and think about coming into the presence of God Almighty? Can I tell you, if I get there, I want to make sure I'm right with God. I want to make sure that He receives me, that He's pleased with me. And I don't know what you guys think, and I don't know, maybe, maybe this is brand new to some of you guys, but I do not want to mock my God. I'm not living holy. I'm not living righteous. I'm casual. I'm flippant. I come into His presence. Guys, that's mocking our God. He is an almighty, awesome God. And that all needs to come back to us. So, all that being said, let's put that in a package and let's look at point three. Talking about attitudes, talking about taking the lead. That scripture, uh, uh, we, we got that scripture for our theme verse for the year. I'll be honest, this scripture has haunted me for, for decades. And, and it still haunts me very much. But now that we've chosen it as our theme verse for the year. It's really, really haunting me. But let me tell you what that verse says. We're not going to read it. Let me just say what it says. To whomsoever much is given, much is required. So we're learning the Bible and we're growing around here and we're putting an emphasis on the Word of God and we're trying to get our lives straightened out. And all of that is great and praise God for it and, and, and thank God that we're doing that. But you know what that also means, guys? There's more expected out of you. God says, now you know, now you're expected more. And, and praise God for what's going on in San Hill. And praise God for what we are doing. And praise God that we do no more. But now that we do, we have to make sure we're living up to what we are learning and being what God would have us be. So we need an attitude of worship. So I want to say this. If we understand what I'm preaching this morning, I want to try to make it as clear as I can. Because this is the part you guys need to get moving forward. I think when we come to church... We ought to be excited. I'll be excited. I get to go to church and worship my God. We'll be excited. We'll be enthusiastic. 
we all know there's different personalities. Some, some people aren't as vocal as others. I don't, you don't have to be vocal to worship God. You, you don't have, you, some people cry, some people don't. Some people raise their hands, some people don't. Some people get loud, some people sit quiet. It, that doesn't matter. That's personality. That doesn't matter. But here's what does matter. Are you excited to worship your God? We ought to be an excitement. Ought to be enthusiastic. Can I just tell you that anytime that someone comes through that back door as a visitor, they ought to be able to feel the excitement in the air when they come into this church because we want to worship God. Amen? Now, just as important as it is for us to be excited to worship God and to, to be engaged and in, in, in all in for worship, but I want you to understand this is very, very important, guys. We need to recognize the urgency to always worship. If you've understood anything I said this morning, we're coming here to worship an almighty God. Is that just apply to certain Sundays? Does that just apply to when you're feeling good, when you've had a good week, when there's nothing wrong? Listen, guys, every time we come, we're to worship God. Every time. Do, do, do I need to repeat that? Do I need to go back over that? I recognize, uh, I recognize a lot of times we put the weight on our singers and, and praise God for our singers. Amen. I think we're some of the best singers anywhere there is and praise God. And I recognize that, that all, all of our singers and all of our musicians, there's days they don't feel good. There's days they don't want to be here. There's days they've had a bad week. There's day, uh, I understand all of that. But can I tell you, every time we come here, it's important that we worship God. But let's let the, let's let the singers off for a second. What about you guys? Because I've seen the days when our singers were less than excited about singing. Amen? But I've also seen the day when they were singing their heart out and you guys weren't excited about worshiping. Right? They're looking back at you guys and you guys are just like, I wish they'd hurry up and get done. Right? Listen, guys, it's on both sides of the pulpit. It's on both sides of the pulpit. If you're up here, if you're back there, it's urgent that we worship. God. Amen? Come on, God. Amen? It is urgent that we worship God every time. We don't do this around here, but I want to make this real loud and clear. I said we need to be enthusiastic. I said we need to be engaged and excited and always worship and see the urgency and everything else. But let me say this. That is not about working it up. Everybody know what I mean by working it up? I mean, you can sing the right songs. I can come out here and give you guys a pep rally, and I can say, come on, guys. And I can get you guys all pumped up, and, and you guys will be on your feet. And you'll be, and listen, that's not it. You know what it is? There's something inside of you that wants to worship God. Not because of me. Now, I'm, I'm not a very pep rally guy. And, I'm not, and, and, and let me just say this, though. I, I'm not that smart, but I'm smart enough. To, I've been around long enough. I've watched how others do I could do it. I can do what the singers do and what the preachers do, make you guys jump, shout, cry, and drum. I can do, I know how to do it. But listen, guys, I'm not here to work you up. I'm telling you, you need to come in here and ready to worship God because of who he is. Amen. It's critically important. Now, what do you guys think about this one? Worship does not start Sunday morning. <laughs> If you have not thought about God, if you have not read your Bible, if you have not listened to a sermon, if you've not listened to any Christian music, if you've not been alone with God, if you've been mean to your neighbors, if you've been hateful and hard to get along with, if you've been fighting with your spouse, and you come into church and say, I am ready to worship God. No, you're not. No, you're not. But can I draw you another picture? If on Monday morning you crack your Bible open and you spend time with God alone, and you pray with Him throughout the day, and you listen to gospel music, and you listen to preaching, and you're reading Christian books, and you're spending time alone with Him, and maybe you're getting blessed at home, and you're worshiping God all as you're going down the road, and as you're at home, and you're worshiping God all the time. Can I tell you, when you come to church Sunday morning, it's just a natural part of your life that you've been doing all week long? Does anybody see what I'm talking about? And when you come to church, you're not waiting to say, well, if Josh is in a good mood, I'll worship today. If they sing my favorite song, I'll be on my feet. If, if the preacher has a good message, I'll say amen. You come ready to worship because you've been worshiping all week long. And guys, that is a picture of being a Christian that God wants instead of what we often say is worship. And I just wonder what God thinks when you haven't talked to him or prayed or read or any, done anything at all and haven't even obeyed his word all week long. And then you come into church and say, I'm ready to worship. <laughs> I'm ready to worship. I wonder what God says. 
I know we live under grace, but I read you two stories this morning, guys. What would happen, even at the Sand Hill Church, what would happen if God says, that strange fire and struck you dead? Do I need to say that again? If God started striking dead, those of you that really weren't worshiping him, I wonder how many of you wouldn't make it back tonight. Guys, this is serious. This is serious. You say, we're under grace. We are under grace. Typically, God doesn't strike us dead. But let me make it very clear. There is a consequence for not worshiping God his way. And I want everybody here to understand that and to do that. So, <clears throat> two hard questions, and I guess this is why I preached the message. You may not agree with me, but you need to go read your Bible and see what the Bible says. Can we set a standard? I'm talking about at Sandhill Church, moving forward, what God has for us, what we're going to be doing, why, why we are here. Can we set a standard? This is what worship is. And this is what worship is not. What you call worship does not line up with the Bible. This is what God says worship is. Can we do that? Can, can we discern that this is what God calls real worship and, and it's not what we call real worship? And this might be a little, little, little difficult, a little ugly. But guys, will we reject what God rejects? If it's not lining up with the Word of God, will we say, that's not worship? There's an awful lot we see that troubles my heart in the churches today. And I want to make sure that we at Sand Hill know what real worship is and we're doing real worship. Because if the Bible is right and what we said this morning is right, God wants to come down in the service and be with us if we will worship him his way. And if he doesn't come down and visit with us, it might be because what we call worship is not what he calls worship. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.